Hello and welcome to Two Nerds Sitting on a Couch, in which two nerds sit on a couch and discuss science fiction and fantasy. So we first met Nacho Vigalando in his directorial debut of a feature-length film in 2007's Time Crimes, which was part of our uh, time travel... Our timey-wimey narratives. Timey-wimey narratives. Um, which put his name on on my radar, um, and was, so it was fascinating when we were getting ready to watch Godzilla versus King Kong or King Kong versus Godzilla. I can't remember which. I think it's Godzilla versus Kong. Okay, um, which, which you know we we watched and was today was very cool. I mean, it was it was totally like actiony actiony or yeah. whatever. I mean. I, it was definitely better than the reviews led me to believe, although I definitely—I <laughs> mean, like, yeah. no, I definitely went into it with like no expectations because, you know, rightly so, reviewers are like there are way too many plots and they don't intersect and who cares? And who well, cares about we had, people? We've gotten and, ready by watching um, Kong on Skull Island. Yeah, uh, I think the, it's called the, Kong Skull Island. The the day before. Um, and and then while watching um, Godzilla versus Kong, um, I was sort of musing that I, I feel like there's something going on in these in the, in the Godzilla or the the kaiju movies where um, particularly the the ones that Godzilla shows up, destroys Tokyo, and then becomes Tokyo's protector. Mm-hmm. And, and I was kind of thinking out loud that this, this really seemed to me to be a narrative of an abusive relationship because these are, you're, you're seeking out the, the, you know, the biggest, strongest protector you can find who might be abusing you, but also will protect you from the robbers who are going to break into your house. Um, and I didn't really get much further than that in, in thinking about it. Um, and then we watched Colossal tonight. Colossal, yep. So this is Nacho Vigalondo's um, the 2018? 17, I believe. Uh, starring Anne Hathaway and... No, Jason... 16. 16, 2016. Yeah. Um, so there's... So Gloria and Oscar are the two main characters. Gloria, it starts with Gloria and Tim, uh, who are living together. And Tim kicks her out because she's kind of, uh, you know, unemployed alcoholic who he's you know had enough and he's doing some tough love or whatever and you get the impression that they're in like new york or la or someplace cosmopolitan that's fancy yeah well a big city because she's like well i'm gonna fine i'm gonna move back home and there's an empty house there conveniently because her parents live died or something um but it's empty and so she moves in uh meets oscar who she used to walk to school with Mm -hmm. and um you know, he offers her... And importantly, this is some small town somewhere. Like, this is not... Yeah. This is not fancy. Yep. This is just, like, Main Street USA kind of place. Yeah, just, like, kind of kind of small town nowhere where everybody kind of knows each other and whatever. Grew up together. Um, and so he actually sees her when she's, like, hauling this, this um, big white bag, Santa style, with <laughs> a giant box in it. We don't know what's in it, but he's like, hey, you know, do you want to you hang out? Whatever, I can give you a ride. He gives her a ride back to where, where they end up hanging out, and then she ends up, you know, taking the big box back home, which turns out to be an air mattress because there's nothing in this house, mm-hmm. like like bare floors and everything. And so she goes to set up the air mattress, and then um, you know falls asleep on it and deflates. I mean, she's just not very good at well, setting and like, up a house. She, she doesn't know what she's doing. Well, she's also like 
you know, I mean, her, her boyfriend, Tim, kicked her out because she's, her life is clearly outside of her control at this point. You know, like, she's been unemployed for a year, and, you know, like, she has come back in the morning and is like, well, you know, me and somebody, well, we had to stay there, and that's why I was yeah. out all night. Well, and then as soon as he leaves, all of her party friends show up. Right. And start drinking the alcohol, and... But anyway, but like when she runs into, and it's Jason Stukas, or mm-hmm. I might have mispronounced his name, but anyway, when she runs into him, she's like, oh, so how's your dad? And he's like, well, you know, he died a couple of years ago. And then she's like, well, how's your mom? And he's like, you went to the funeral. <laughs> and it, I mean, yeah. so it's just sort of an indicator of like kind of how long she has been sleepwalking through her life. You yeah. know, due to alcohol or or just being a bitch. Yeah. You know, like she's just thoughtless with her relationships. So she talks to Oscar and he mentions that now he's in charge of the bar because his dad died. And he offers her a job because she doesn't have one. And, um, you know, she shows up to work. They all drink together. I, I get sense that pretty soon after that she decides she's going to quit drinking. But um, they're all drinking together. And then this... And it's like Tim Blake Nelson is there. Yeah. Thought you was, was a, toad. a toad. Yeah, he's so great. Um, he's lovely. So they, um, and it, it ends up where like they're watching TV and there there's this giant monster that shows up in Seoul, Korea, mm-hmm. and it just sort of makes these weird gestures. It looks like it's talking on the phone and gesticulates and and scratches its head in this particular way that Anne Hathaway does, and um, so through this. Um, Gloria realizes that she is is the embodiment of this giant this giant creature and she um, she knows that it happens at a particular time in the morning it's like 805 in the morning when the kids are walking to school and she's in this particular park and that she has been destroying good chunks of the the city of Seoul by, by just being in the park Sort of like waking up still drunk. Yeah, so she in the park. so she like she'll um, she appears in Seoul at like eight oh five, and it is only a discrete period of time when when the monster is there. Like yeah, she's not like she wouldn't even if she stayed in the park all day, the monster would still disappear. At you know yeah, so the mechanics are this is a this is a, a, a short period of time, but it's nighttime in in Seoul. Um, and but it's then, definitely long enough to make. To absolutely fuck that. Scene. Oh yeah, no, it's 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 bad news. So she uh, once she realizes this, then she sort of brings it back to her drinking buddies, and they all show up, and they they look like she kind of she's like, go get the you know live soul webcam, whatever. I'm gonna mm-hmm. show you some stuff, and they're like, oh my god, you're right, the monster's here, and she starts doing a dance, and then you know she kind of points out that this is this is her, um, and then later it turns out that like others other people can show up as other different things. Just you know, one like other her, person. her friend is the is the is a robot, in in a giant Oscar. robot. Right, Oscar materializes as a giant robot. Um, so at first, you kind of think this is a movie about alcoholism and the destruction of of like irresponsibility, right? So she's sort of blundering through um, soul, uh, like kind of completely oblivious to the path of destruction she's leaving in her wake. Right, um, and, and then when she discovers she's doing this, she treats it like a funny. At first, yeah, At definitely. first, it, she does not, it does not register to her how bad that is. Yeah, well, Which but I she does, she, get, she, she takes care, though, like, when she shows it to everybody else, she maps out where the river would be in the park so that she stays away from a populated area when right, she's doing her demonstration. Right. But it is still a little bit, 
lonelier to be doing yeah. that. To <laughs> well, like but it's still Korean weird. People. Like, is that for? Is this for real? I mean, that's just yeah. so strange. No, I guess that's right. So um, then, I mean, at that point, they're all like, "Wow, this is totally wild." They go back to the bar. She has some suggestions for making it, you know, better, opening up the western side and and you know whatever. And then she ends up sleeping with the cute friend of Oscar's, um, and. Oscar sort of finds out about it because she's watching TV and there's the robot rampaging through Seoul and it's him and the, we thought she was a toad buddy. Tim Blake Nelson. Tim Blake Nelson. Um, I don't remember. I think his name is Garth. (laughs) Garth, right. And so they're just playing in the park and she she makes, um, makes him drive over there and yell at them. And at that point, Oscar realizes that those two had slept together and he turns mean and he gets really angry because he's been filling her house with all of this furniture and 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 stuff at this point he's the the quote-unquote nice guy you know who's who's sort of helping her up uh, you know picking her up on her feet but he also clearly has a problem with alcohol as well yes he does well although that's not as obvious at first but yeah he totally does and then he also has a problem with with her now you know so he's her employer and he does some wildly inappropriate things that could Mm -hmm. definitely land him in trouble with the the labor board of the state mm-hmm. um but at at that point he realizes that she's uh a quit drinking right and and be horrified about the situation in seoul that that mm-hmm. this destruction is is clearly an issue for her um and he increasingly exerts power over her and it's and it's this and it's it's a, a pretty clear abusive relationship where when he's drinking like at first when when um, she would wake up, she would, they would talk about stuff, and he's like, yeah, we talked about this last night, don't you remember? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, you don't remember because, you know, you were totally wasted. Um, and then it's it slowly sort of flips to where, you know, when he's drunk, he is really mean to her in, and really, like, just being abusive and... And, and controlling. And I mean, when he's, he's awake, using... he's like, oh, I'm sorry, you know, how can I make it up to you here? Let me fill your apartment with a bunch of stuff. Um, it's and, definitely like the gift, the gift giving and apologizing of an abusive cycle. Yeah. So, so he's, you know, they're, they're falling into this pattern and then Tim shows up her original ex-boyfriend who kicked her out and he sort of, you know, says, Hey, I'm, I'm here for you, whatever. There's a whole standoff in the bar between him and Oscar where Oscar like sets fire to his bar with this enormous firework. He talks about it being the most irresponsible thing he could do in the bar. And yet Gloria is still not going to leave with you. And he looks at her, and you can tell that he's telling her that, like, if you leave, I'm going to destroy Soul every morning, mm-hmm. and that's on you, you know, which is which is I mean, a, that, you know, totally what, classic th- abusive behavior. Because he's already told her that. He's just like, you know, I, if I'm willing to do this here, you know, it's like the Milgram experiment. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. like, you could totally zap people that you don't see. Right, right, and he just he he doesn't even care. I mean, he's he's just trying to exert control over her, um, and you know, so she is like, "You're you know, you're right, Tim. I'll 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 see you later. Right, um, I got to go get this guy coffee or whatever." Um, so she goes home that night and turns on the light, and there's Oscar sitting in the dark drinking a beer, which is just creepy. He's like, "Oh, sorry, didn't mean to scare you." But yeah, you're not you're did. not you're not going home with Tim and you know the implication is that he'll he'll destroy soul. Um so she calls Tim and is like, Tim, I can't really explain it to you right now, but I'm coming home with you. Um knowing that in the morning Oscar is going to destroy soul. So she 
jumps on a plane and you know i mean you're you're going to believe that she's flying home to to tim um but she shows up in soul because she has this realization that they're connected because in their childhood while they were walking to school they had these little dioramas they'd made and hers like in in a wind gust blew over this fence into the construction did you notice that hers was it was soul yeah and so so the construction zone is where the park was um so oscar climbs the fence to go get it for her and then just like she climbs the fence um and sees him find it set it on the ground and stomp on it and then this bolt of lightning comes and zaps them on the head and that's why she has to scratch her head because this bolt of lightning scratched her in the head and so she um you know she has this memory of him destroying her soul diorama and that was kind of, you know, and, and she even tells him that the night where she calls Tim and says, you know, I'm, I'm well, leaving. She's like, you hate yourself. It's just that simple. Like, it's not about her. It's about him. Right. But the, but the other important factoid is that this, this monster showed up in Seoul 25 years ago when that had happened. Well, yeah. And, and, and so, that and was then, the first time it had been seen. And then it reappeared Because she, she had, she had the monster home. in her backpack and he had the robot in his backpack and that sort of became their, their colossal selves. Which I thought kind of an interesting thing because it's like i mean obviously that's like a shitty thing to do like a kid stomping the diorama (laughs) yeah obviously but i don't like i kind of don't get how that fits into the whole kind of abusive dynamic in this you know what i mean like what well because he just destroyed something of hers you know as an as an act of control you know as an act of yeah i mean is yeah, that that well, was? I mean, he hated himself at the time, and he couldn't stand that her diorama was so good, so he stomped on it, you know? I mean, like, it's just as simple as that, I think. But anyway, so it turns out she's flown to Seoul because she realizes that there is a a connection between the, these two places mm-hmm. um, and ends up, like, so then she becomes her giant colossal monster mm-hmm. in the park where he is. Right, in whatever small town And she in. realizes that she can pick him up, and then she just chucks him. So presumably... He yeets so far that he just he he dies in the process. There's no way he, he could have survived that. Um, but this is like it's more of like a fantasy sort of like you know it's a lighthearted abuse fantasy. Um, <laughs> so she you know saves the citizens of Seoul and they're all like really they're they're cheering that that giant monster that had originally been destroying the city but then had become its protector in the same way that he like Tim had, or uh, Oscar had already started. Um, being her protector, but then turned into her abuser. abuser right. um, and so this kind of like really got me thinking about about these Godzilla movies in in a different way, you know, or in the way that I had just sort of just started thinking about them. That they are they, they embody this abuse cycle where it's it's you know you you are um, rooting for Godzilla who has just destroyed your city, but you're rooting for him to fight against you know Ghidra who is now threatening to destroy the city and Godzilla is now your protector or in Kong versus Godzilla, which I thought was kind of, you know, it took that one step further where now it's this big giant, you know, primate who is the, the really um, unpredictable, scary, destructive force that then becomes this protector. I mean, he's always been the protector of the people of Skull Island, but that's the thing is that he, um, he can be very destructive. He's very scary, but he's harnessed as this, as this protector, which it, it really, like, t- to me, I was just like, this smacks of an abusive relationship. And then we saw Colossal, and I was like, holy crap, they just did it. Nacho Vigalondo just did that exact thing, only it was kind of cheesy and ham-handed in Colossal. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I, but I, I just wanted to say, though, that, like, I think that in Godzilla versus Kong, 
they spend a lot of time humanizing Kong. I mean, we're yeah. we already have a primate bias, and then um, you know, there's this sort of, I you know, she's a she's a child like one of the natives, the iwi, iwi from. Skull Island. Apparently, they all got wiped out in a storm except for her. Mm-hmm. She's also deaf, um, which so she like checks all these boxes of like, it's like some sort of like, kind of a magical Negro. But then there's also like the the um, you you run out into a lot of um, disabled children or non neurotypical children who are able to sort of see the truth of the world. Mm-hmm. Because she's deaf and uses sign language, she's already taught Kong sign language. So in the whole movie, like, they have spent a lot of time humanizing Kong. Like, he can actually mm-hmm. talk. Right. Or they discover he can talk when they're on the boat. Right. Dragging and him out versus to Antarctica. Godzilla, who cannot and does not. You know, I mean, right. you have, like... He can mi- make brown mi- sounds. Uh, <laughs> You have like uh, Millie Bobby Brown from the previous God of or King of the Monsters movie, who's like in the team Godzilla because you know he did save her ass mm-hmm. in that movie. Um, but that's really but that protector but turned destroyer. Right, but that's <laughs> definitely like a an echo. So I, like on one level, like that movie is stacked towards Kong completely. Yeah, no, totally. But at the very beginning of it, they start out where Kong is in, 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 in an, um, it looks like he's just living on Skull Island, but it turns out it's this like Hunger Games style stadium mm-hmm. that, that he like hurls a spear at and like smashes it exactly like in the whatever third, second, second Hunger Games movie. Um, so you realize he's in captivity and they are concerned that, that Godzilla will show up if they, you know, if he, if he, um, comes out that because of the brown sound or whatever, Godzilla will be attracted because all of these titans, alpha titans, fight each other. They always fight each other. It's, it's like, you know, um, they always have to fight to the death or whatever. Um, so they've kept him in this in this thing to, to protect him, even though Godzilla could have shown up on Skull Island at any point and never did, but whatever. But my, my point <laughs> being, though, is like they put him in this containment because he's dangerous and scary. I mean, they're in there with him, but like it's sort of understood that that, you know, while he may not hurt them like in the previous Kong movie he destroys an entire like squad air squadron because they're in helicopters shooting at him and Although, he just bats them out of the sky and kills I everybody mean, that, no remorse that like, was right that also that's true but the Kong Skull Island movie is such a like heart of darkness like like <laughs> right. like literally uh what's his name Loki what's that actor's name Tom Hiddleston Tom Hiddleston's last name is Conrad yeah. Which is, I mean, his first name isn't Joseph, but no. it starts with a J. Yeah, nobody's name was Mr. Kurtz, but, you know, that lieutenant but colonel sure did have a big chip was, on his shoulder. He was basically Mr. Kurtz. And so, like, the like that that whole thing is, is a heart of darkness situation. And then also setting it in Vietnam with the whole, you know, I mean, the shit <laughs> that we, in terms of, like, the American military and stuff, did in Vietnam yeah. and Cambodia and well, neighboring. And, yeah. Yeah. And like, all over the region. <laughs> all pretty fucking bad, involving setting entire jungles on fire and the rest of it. And so, like, having having the, you know, Kong fight back against that is, I don't know, it's kind of fascinating because, um, you know, 
we were talking to the kids about this because they were like, what is, what is that even about? And yeah. I was like, well, I mean, Vietnam is still this kind of psychic scar for the United States because it feels like... A lot less so now, though, because, I mean, right. that was wrapping up when, when I was a kid, and right. that I mean, it, it, is like, now as far away as World War II was. Right, no, that's for, right. I mean, because I think that the conflict ended, I think, the year before I was born. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, but it was it is for some people the psychic scar that this is this was the end of our military, you know, that we lot we lost for the first time, right. and that and we lost because of the damn protesters and not because right. you know what I mean yeah. like we we lost our will. which you'd said before we watched that movie and didn't really realize the connection but it was like I, I think he actually says like he uh, does say it he, he yeah. says it at that point that the, the the colonel is like you know it's because of your photography which stirred up the anti-war hippies that mm-hmm. lost us this war right and and she positioned she says you know he's like oh you're a war photographer she's like no i'm an anti-war photographer yeah well and she's like you know i mean it's pretty sad that that uh you know a person with a camera can lose you a war when you have a gun right right um but what i wanted to say about this is that i thought it was kind of interesting to take so you know godzilla comes out of post-war uh, Japan, which um, obviously clearly is is on a cultural level reckoning with with being nuclear bombed, right? You know, like this right. is this is a deep and abiding trauma for the Japanese people. Yeah, and you know, and so the the fact that you know Godzilla first destroys them and then they sort of it's like I mean I said this earlier just sort of flippantly but like. I don't know whether to like fight it or fuck it. Right. You know, like <laughs> yeah. it, it go. It, it, it's like there. There's this. This the fear response is is an excitement that is that is almost sexual on a level. Right? Yeah, which I think is part of these these uh, like abusive relationships. I mean, right. w- but, on that level. But like so, but I wanted to say that I thought it was interesting that so you you like this is the origin story. This is this is where uh, uh, Godzilla is born, mm-hmm. culturally speaking, and then. The Americans take it and they use the sort of Kong kaiju to deal with their trauma <laughs> in, in Vietnam, yeah, which right. on some level is actually totally inappropriate because if you want to talk about um, trauma in Vietnam, you talk to the Vietnamese. Right, no, like, totally. Those, and those I don't are know, the people who got fucked. I don't, I don't know if, if you keyed on this, but the Iwi... Um, when the, the World War II guy crashes down there and becomes friends with the Japanese guy who crashed down there, mm-hmm. and they live there for the next, whatever, 20 years, um, they, the, like, the Iwi never speak. They, they are voiceless people. Yeah. And that would be the, the, the analog of the, the yeah. Vietnamese. And it's just like, you know. It's but actually it, kind of awful. <laughs> it's kind of, yeah. I think it's unintentionally awful. I don't think they meant it that way. It's just sort of, oh, look, mysterious National Geographic. But uh, just to to back up a second uh, about the the bombings, which which were the genesis of the Godzilla in the first place. Like, the whole reason we have Godzilla is because the Japanese were bombed by the United States twice, right? Twice. And this, I think that, that like, the way that that sort of works is, so you have... Godzilla, born of this like radioactive maelstrom mm-hmm. and destroying Tokyo and then becoming its protector, is 
like really representative of the United States in this situation. They bombed the crap out of Japan, forced a like horrible, dishonorable surrender, um, and then and and some even have argued unnecessarily because the war was over at that point and they just wanted to play with the bombs. But I, I haven't really I don't know. Anyway, they became the the protectors of Japan. Like our military was dominant in the Pacific theater. And, and, you know, the, well, the, the U.S. Was, was the one that was projecting its power throughout, you know, the, the like, Asian Pacific arena. You know, so up right. against China, I up mean, against I all of that. I think it was that... actually literally written into the Japanese constitution that they cannot have a standing military. Right. And so, like, for the, for the Japanese, I mean, this was, this was, I mean, this is a horrible, like, abusive relationship where it's like, you've gotten <laughs> beaten and now that, that like, destroyer has has become your protector and an economic facilitator i mean it's like it's, we bought a, all of that stuff from japan that made them an economic superpower pr protector you know? in the sense of protection racket <laughs> totally but that's what an abusive relationship is yes you know it's like if you leave with tim i'm gonna destroy soul every morning it's just it's also complicated and and unsimple well and it ends up squeezing out the sides like this you know where you have like the the godzilla movies which are um kind of directly talking about the the like national anguish of the japanese people mm -hmm. and like you said being now totally repurposed mm -hmm. in 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 this sort of fantastic way in in the like kong versus um godzilla where like the one in of the a, things in is a like pretty silly blockbuster yeah and and so like kong like okay kong versus godzilla right godzilla has like this radioactive breath ray that will just tear through anything mm -hmm. and kong is what got opposable thumbs right so it turns out that kong's people used to live in the middle of the earth and like they have this really sweet axe made out of a godzilla scale yeah. That's like tied onto that a giant bone a good, with Godzilla a, leather. That was actually like a really good, like, you know, that you caught that, that that was a Godzilla scale. Like I hadn't seen Yeah, that. well, and that's what powers like the unobtainium like throne room, right? I mean, so he <laughs> yeah. powers up his axe. And now, like, because he has intelligence to make tools, that makes him more powerful than Godzilla, which is just a big dumb animal who can't even talk, right? Mm -hmm. So like this, this whole thing ends up being the the like the primacy of the primate right where we've got this thing who can make tools and that's what like you even called him batman early on he goes into the bat cave right and then yes! there's literally they like there's some sort of bats, bats. flying like giant prehistoric bats right. but you know with because, big teeth because when you talk about the fight between superman and batman everybody's like you know everybody's like well batman would win because he's clever and he's got tools and you know because batman's got opposable thumbs right because batman has opposable <laughs> thumbs whereas superman is just basically like a he's just an alien he's just a drunken frat guy you know what i mean he's just out there just like punching shit and he doesn't have to think right because he's completely overpowered and so like that's the sort of nerd line is that batman would win even though obviously he wouldn't because he would just get death rayed and then he'd be dead Right. But, no, but, totally. but in this scenario, like it's totally like Batman versus Superman, only like Godzilla is Superman and <laughs> yeah, and Kong is Batman. Kong is Batman because he's sitting in the Batcave with his like tools that he made it made out of you know a bone and some Godzilla scale. Oh, so cool. Yeah, but I I think that's a like a really common feature of all of these these movies is is the just the senseless destruction. Like even in Pacific Rim, where you have um. Uh, Mako, 
Mako Mori. Who is, um, you, you find out, is is this little girl that one of the, the uh, Jaeger drivers finds right. in the middle of in the middle of the city of destruction after destroying a kaiju right in front of her and she's terrified and she's lost a shoe and it's and 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 it kind of becomes emblematic of like this innocence that that must be protected at all costs right at, at least in that movie and and I think that's true of this movie too where um, you know Kong sort of befriends this little iwi orphan right uh, refugee and who's been adopted by oh, the white oh family. Oh my god, oh my god. And I didn't even think about the like refugee angle. It is so I I think I have to think about this for a while because it's really scary. It's pretty horrific. It's I mean like when you deconstruct it, it's like, oh my god, oh my do you god. realize what you're doing and how bad that actually is? No, like, I don't think anybody realizes how bad that is. <laughs> like but it just comes off really and it was a fun I liked the movie. It was really fun. No, right. I enjoyed like, it a lot. Right. But I mean you just sort of start unpacking some of that stuff and you're like, boy, this is worse than Avatar. <laughs> I don't think anything's worse than Avatar, dude. That was so bad. Uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, no, but it is it is really Oh God! I mean, especially like, especially on the backdrop of what we're living with, with you know, like Asian Americans and the amount of violence that they're yeah. dealing with, like this sort of, like, just kind of thoughtless, uh, <laughs> paternalism. Paternalism is really bad. Why yeah. am I laughing? It's so bad. Well, what, what else are you gonna do? But I, I mean, that's, but that's the like the the core of these like abusive narratives, right? I mean, it's like, and I thought that was what like really struck me watching Colossal where like we get to the end of it and I'm just like holy crap this is exactly like Nacho with it's actually funny it's short for Ignatius which is like oh really yeah I didn't is know that what I was like, short for? sure why not we're gonna have some Ignatius so cheese is, fries so is, is he Spanish yes he is and that's kind of like the, the embodiment of all of these like gigantic kaiju creature movies be- becomes like the because a lot of it is uh, Pacific Rim is about it's like the Pacific Ocean it's about this Asian um, projection of U.S. power into into Asian the Asian sphere you know mm. and it's like what we're doing like because I mean the the Jaegers are really just you know aircraft carriers that are floating out in the yeah. Pacific you know speaking, I mean we are spe- protecting speaking, protecting quote unquote the world it's a protection racket speaking of Spanish directors. That's Ooh. Del Toro. Pacific Rim was? Yes. Yikes, man. Del Toro is a, is a great example of a foreign director who really, really gets, like, this something about American audiences and yeah. just feeds it right back to us. Yeah, he's, yeah. But, he's but, but yeah, but, he like, so but good. He, he, like, Nacho Vigilante is, is a Spanish, he's from Spain, so... That's kind of fascinating. Yeah, that is interesting. Like, Although he's he's uh, like a, I think a class above Nacho. I really like Nacho. I've only discovered him through um, the Time the Times, time. Yeah. which was the the first movie, and then there's this, and now he's got a couple of other feature length films that I'm really interested to go I look think at that now we're because have to go on his a... movies are fun. But I thought the great thing about it was that it 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 took that that um, like the the abusive. Um, relationship narrative from Godzilla as the destroyer slash protector mm-hmm. and then turned it into a literal abuse scenario. You know, like this is how it, it, it starts and this is how it facilitates and this is how it can end. And it ended well for Anne Hathaway, for Gloria's character, um, but 
Usually it doesn't. Well, and I, the other th- interesting thing I thought was that I was fully expecting it because, like, she first um, is a monster in Seoul, Korea, while she's blackout drunk. Second. She was first when she was a child. But okay. Yeah. Yeah, she she wakes up drunk in the park. Like the first cu- even, smashing even, through the park. Yeah, even cu- the first even couple times are when she's blackout drunk, and so I. Well, was... and you get the sense that she has been sort of in the abuser, not abuser. It's hard to put it in that way, but like in her relationship with Tim, she's just she's... taking his ass for granted. Like oh, wow. totally, and taking I mean... advantage of him and. She's like both self and other destructive. Yeah. And, oh, but, yeah. But what I wanted to say is that, like, once that started happening, I was like, I kind of, like, you know, you know, wiggled my butt and settled into having the uh, kaiju killing um, soul be a metaphor for the um, unintended destruction that, that, uh, that you do when you're uh, addicted to substances. Right. I was expecting it to be the, like, literal giant kaiju elephant in the room. Right. Which often does lead to, you know, or is a part of abusive relationships. Absolutely, absolutely. But, so, yeah, I had, like, I was like, oh, I see what you're doing here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and there was a moment to it when I was just, like, it actually, like, took me by surprise. It was, like, I was thinking about this today for some reason, um... Like, so in, I think it was because you started singing Let It Go, and then, um, and I was, in my brain, I was like, yeah, I remember in that movie where the, the moment when, um, so there's Ilsa and what's her sister's name? I don't know. Well, whatever. The, The sister who has this romance with this guy, right? Yeah. And, you know, and it's going along like a Disney romance and everything. They're singing about how they finish each other's sandwiches and stuff. And then the moment when he reveals himself to be a, to be, like, taking advantage of her and mm-hmm. and, and completely insincere. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember being in the movie theater and gasping. Yeah. What are you I doing, had, I had, Disney? God, I had, I had never <laughs> ever seen that before in a Disney movie. Yeah, where like where somebody can be that duplicitous without having like you know evil horns and right. and all kinds of foreshadowing, and and I think that there's an element of that here where you sort of the Jason Sudeikis character, you sort of he is the quote unquote nice guy tm right you know? well and he starts out just being a genuinely nice guy like here's this giant tv like i don't need it whatever why don't you have a tv yeah we, i mean we talked about this last night but i mean i'll move it in for you and then i'll just leave and he didn't appear to have any rom- romantic designs on her right but i mean you was... could see it maybe brewing but, but like i mean he seemed to be giving her her space and right. giving her a but, job but it definitely giving her furniture but like when he turns i definitely had that like <gasps> you know like yeah. oh you are just doing that to get something out of her. Like this is right. the this is the like put in friendship coins, get out sex thing. Right. That that um... it's worse than that though because I don't think at any point he really wanted sex. What he wanted was control, mm-hmm. and that's what abusive relationships are about. No, is agreed. control. Agreed. Sex is just a manifestation of that control. No, but agreed. that wasn't one that he needed. He was her employer. He was her master because he knew that he could always destroy soul and it would be her fault. Mm-hmm. And because he didn't look, care. Look what you're making me do. Yeah. Why are you making me destroy soul like this? 
Yeah. Whew. Anyway, but yeah. So the the moment when you realize that he is, you know, that his motivations have not been what you thought they were is really it's like <gasps> I thought I was in a totally different movie. Yeah. <laughs> I was just settling into having a fun analogy about alcoholism. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy <laughs> because you realize it, it like you're you're seeing this movie as as like the train wreck of Gloria, and you realize that his train wreck is so much worse because. Not only is he off the rails, but he's pointing it right at her. Yeah. And also, and he never, I mean, like, because even when she's, she's, hold, you know, even when she's as a kaiju holding him and he's like, let me down. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And like, and you're like kind of genuinely getting drawn in by it mm-hmm. and, and the rest of it. And then he's like, bitch. And I was like, oh, that's right. <laughs> You're an abuser, and this is just part of the fucking cycle again. Yeah. Like, like me getting sucked into that is just me getting sucked into the fucking cycle again. And then right. she's like, you know what I'm going to do with you? I'm going to fucking yeet you across the river. Well, and we even, like, at one point when he started pushing her, it was like a burning bed kind of where it's like, you know, you're going to end up dead. Because that's the trajectory this movie is going to take, mm-hmm. is, is you on a trajectory into the landscape, you know, I mean, <laughs> Literal like, ballistic this trajectory. is, this is not going to end well for you because, I mean, this is going to end up being a feel-good movie because it's been kind of a romantic comedy slash kaiju movie up until this point, and, right. and then it starts getting all serious, and it's like, he's going to die. There's no way he's going to survive this movie because he's pushing her way too hard, Yeah. and this yeah. is, because this is, is an abuse narrative, like, we, we're going to get some satisfaction out of this shit, and, and you do. I mean, and I thought that that was a little cheap. But a little bit satisfying. Yeah, I mean, because it was it was one of those things where it was like it definitely truncated. Uh, I mean, I think I think when you're talking about abuse, like abusive relationships, they tend to play out over, you know, much longer frameworks, right. and they tend to get, you know, they tend to get really just very tiny incremental changes until, right. you know, until the you know, and then ugh, and then you're and then it's inevitable, right? Right. But, um, and then it's too late. You're already there. But this is, but you know, this is a you know, not even two hour film. They just didn't have the time to do that, and so it ends up being well. And plus, it's like I mean, it it is kind of a comedy, and so like, how do you? It's only it's only kind of a comedy though. It's definitely on the not funny edge. (laughs) Yeah, well, especially with the subject matter, because you just sort of get like this whole. I mean, it's. You know, when I was pregnant, and that's a really stressful time for somebody who's in, like, I've never had children before. Like, I was like, there's two kinds of pregnant women. There's the laughing kind or the um, crying kind. And they're both compulsive. Mm-hmm. And you don't have any control over it either way. Right. I happen to be the laughing kind, and it was upsetting at points. <laughs> like, yeah. how much I would laugh at things that were completely inappropriate. Yeah. Like, a lot. For no good reason. No. Although sometimes that stuff is funny. I don't know. I mean, the one that I remember was like Fred Rogers had died. And for some reason you started giggling about it. And everybody else in the little like birth class was like, oh my God, I know it's so sad. You're like giggling so hard you had to leave the room. No. No. When I started giggling so hard I had to leave the room was when we were doing... Breathing oh, exercises. Oh, it was the meditation exercises. Meditation like, exercises. Find your safe space or and whatever. Now, right. And I started seeing the, sci- the scene from... Um, Fight Club. Fight Club that was like, Sly, 
slide. Slide. And I was like, I started <laughs> laughing. Like all of these like super pregnant ladies <laughs> like trying to find their safe space, and you're just giggling in the corner, like clearly not taking this seriously <laughs> I enough. Was, I couldn't help it. It wasn't my fault. Anyway, I had to go outside and just laugh myself into a like hiccups and then come back. Yeah, it was pretty funny. But, I mean, like, birth anyway, is horrific. But I, <laughs> right, but I'm just saying that, like, this is that kind of comedy. This is the comedy of, like... Yeah, you know, when she yeets him, it's funny because you're like, oh, thank God, we don't have to see a bloody pulp right. of his body because yeah. that's what would have happened. No, right. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just the... Just like, this the, was a relatively bloodless movie. Like, Colossal had, like, almost no actual... No. Except for, like, when she was, you know, he had punched her in the face, and, like, she had, like, a, like, you know, nasty eyeball. Mm-hmm. And that yeah, was, you, that like, was, you, like, only, you know, you're, like, you serious the, now. The effects on her body. Um, but, yeah, but I just, I just feel like the kind of comedy here is the kind of comedy that's the sort of uh, stress-release kind, or, you know, right. like, the... Like, I can't help myself because I don't know what else to do. Um, because it's not actually funny. <laughs> like, none of it's funny. No. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, like, a lot of those movies, you know, I mean, especially, like, Kong, uh, um, the Kong Skull Island, mm-hmm. which there are a lot of parts of it that are that are actually kind of funny. And the I, I forget the character's name, but the, the guy who had been there since World War II um, mm. says a lot of really funny things. Like John really C. funny, John C. Riley. Yeah. Oh my oh, god, it's hilarious. Actually... He's like, I mean, at one point he's like, he's kind of giggling. He's like, yeah, we're gonna go, we're gonna go right in where the, like the the skull the skull death creatures are. We're all gonna die here. Yeah. He's like, you guys he's are like really giggling. great boys to die with, and he's laughing. It's, and it's really, it is funny, but it's like, yeah, you're all gonna die. It's the, yeah. It's and they do. It's... <laughs> <laughs> and we're laughing about we're it. We're laughing about it. It's not funny. <laughs> it's not funny. But what else? What else are you gonna do? Uh, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, but and that's that's kind of the the like that's I think really been consistent in in those like um, the the what are they the Monsterville Monster Big Monster uh, It's just Monsterverse. Monsterverse. Um, all of them have elements of comedy, but it, like it's kind of this veneer over like the American imperialist war machine. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it's yeah. really disturbing yeah. what these movies are really about. Whereas, like, I'm kind of like. Thinking back to the the Matthew Broderick Godzilla, where it was just sort of this this rampaging creature, and it didn't have anything to do with international geopolitics, but in in a lot of ways, this one really did because I mean, all of the monsterverse with like the the monarch company who is clearly it's part. Not mon- no, mon- monarch is actually a governmental agency. Apex. Is well, a no, company. no, monarch started out. Remember the John Goodman character goes in to beg the senator yeah, for for access. Because he's a government. He's part of the government. Oh, I didn't realize Monarch was just a government. Yeah, gov- it's part of the government. That's why when the opening scenes, they have the like redaction going over everything. Yeah, because the, I got the... the sense that it was more like the the like military industrial complex, though. Like this is mm. the thing that Truman warned about was this kind of like blurring of government and contractor, where you just need to get stuff done for the war effort, and then it sort of turns into this like crazy profiteering at all well, costs. Right, and I think that I think that. Monarch and Apex exist on a continuum of that. Right, right. That, like, Monarch is closer to the government, Apex is clearly not. Yeah, but it is definitely not like a Matthew Broderick-style Godzilla. This is not just running away from scary dinosaurs that are abnormally large. This is, like, this is, like, clearly tied to American geopolitics since World War II, which is what Godzilla really is. Yeah, 
Which is actually part of the reason why the Matthew Broderick Godzilla is a complete failure. <laughs> no, Probably, I'm dead serious. Yeah. Like, no, totally. you can't you can't have like a heartwarming romantic comedy with Matthew Broderick, America's Sweetheart, you know, and with Godzilla. You can't right, do no, it. it was basically Jurassic Park only. Yeah, especially large. when they got to the like the tiny little ones. Yeah, the which babies. Were just, like shitty velociraptors. Yeah, like yep. that was all just that was just bad. Um, yeah, but I think, like, I mean, when you get into something like Pacific Rim, then, which we haven't gotten into yet, that's uh, next on my list is to watch that in <laughs> 3D because it's so badass. I mean, they started the whole, the kaiju sound, the brown sound, right? Is that, that like, tuba horn sound. I don't think they started that. No, but they used it the most effectively that yeah. summer. Although, the, yeah, there was, I mean, because That I, was the summer said, it came out. I said this before, but it's definitely in World War Z, the, like, yeah, but they didn't. They didn't have kaiju in World War Z. No, they didn't. Like that's Morris... the sound your bowels make when you see one of those enormous things coming towards your coastline. <laughs> it goes. It's a brown sound. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's see. And then okay. But what... that's 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 about projecting military power into the Asian theater. It yeah. is Pacific Rim no, is totally all about. Is. You know, and even though it's supposed to be like a you know multi multilateral like multi uh, country effort, mm-hmm. it's you know it's Americans. I'm excited to see how I feel about that after having watched Colossal because that really did color my perception of all of these movies. You know, as as abusive relationship like dramas mm-hmm. because I mean it, that's that's what it is. Like Tokyo is 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 Godzilla's girlfriend. And he's just not very nice to her all yeah. the time. Or, I mean, because I don't even know that uh, in these, I can't, I can't remember because it's, I've seen them. Like, I know I saw the first Godzilla movie at least once. Mm-hmm. I saw this, the King of Monsters at least twice because I actually really love that movie. Mm-hmm. Partially because I ship mothra and godzilla to the end of time i think that that is the the most this is the most lovely romance of the yeah (laughs) kaiju universe but whatever um mothra's so fuzzy he's so fuzzy she it i don't know they um anyway um i can't remember where i was going with this i just got so excited about mothra and godzilla yeah I would probably not watch Colossal again. No, I feel like I got out of it what I got out of it. Because it, it, it does what it's going to do. And I, is, I will watch more Nacho Vigalondo movies, though. Right. And I, I also have to say that <coughs> I don't think I'm going to watch it again, but um, it's absolutely worth watching once. You know what yeah, I, mean? I thought like the concept totally was good. It was well it. executed. Yeah. I mean, and it was, you know, it was fun. It was a fun movie for fun, as depressing as it was. Funish, yeah. I mean, because that's that's one of those like so like we've been kind of working up to watching us again because mm-hmm. I know what I'm in for and like I. <sighs> that's gonna be a tough one to put on the rewatchable it's, scale. It's so good and it definitely fits in with our like parallel universe situation. Yeah, it's gonna be so hard to but rewatch. It's, but it's just definitely painful and so it's like the the rewatchability is iffy you know yeah. anyway so all right gajira high five gajira high five